by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Matthew 9.37 Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is great. He said, Look out to the fields they're white to harvest I mean the harvest is great but the workers are few so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest ask him to send more workers into the field that should be a prayer of ours that we want to please the father what what obviously pleases Jesus Is to gather the harvest. I mean, that's why he came. He spilt his blood. That's why he gave his life. That's the whole purpose of him being born for us here on this earth. To, to win those who were lost. So it pleases him and it pleases the Father. And did Jesus please the Father? The Father looked down and said, This is my Son whom I love and I am well pleased. Jesus ran his course. He finished his race. Didn't he? He pleased the Father. And as I look at all these pretty eyes out here, I can see that same fire burning. You want to please the Father, don't you? If I was to say, is anybody in here don't want to please the Father, I doubt I'd see any hands go up. You want to please the Father. When I was a teenager, I wanted to please my father so bad. I didn't get to see him all that often. And one day he decided he was going to take me Take me hunting, deer hunting. So I spent the night at his house, and all I could talk about was, Dad, I'm going to kill the biggest buck. Man, I'm going to shoot him right in the heart. I'm going to get me a 12-pointer. I knew that would please my dad. I don't even know if I really liked hunting, to be honest. It was sitting out there in the cold all day in his, in his tree, you know. But, but I wanted to please my father. And so he took me to a place called Delta National. It was a forest in uh, the Delta in Mississippi. And they had these weird things called palmettos. I, I don't know where they came from. I don't, I don't see them everywhere, but they're about as tall as I am. And they just grew all over the forest. He said, but them bucks love them palmettos because they can hide. He said, we're going to get up in a tree so we can see over the palmettos and get you a shot. I was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get me one, Dad. <laughs> um, we all talk big, don't we? Anyway, we got there. We, we went about a mile in the woods. I'm carrying this big old heavy homemade steel stand now they make them out of aluminum but my dad had made this out of just heavy steel and we you know by the time i get there i'm walking like this carrying this big old stand and this isn't the, this isn't something that you have ladder to climb up you you bolt this thing around the tree and then you put your feet in some slots and you bear hug the tree and then you do your legs like this and you ratchet your way up the tree it works but by the time you get through your chest is awful raw but I bear hugged that tree. Anyway, he said, when we was on the ground, he said, son, I want you to go up to that first limb up there. Now, on the ground, it didn't look that high. <laughs> Things look different on the ground. 
But I, I bolted around the tree and I bear hugged that thing. And I was just going up that tree, winching my way up. By the time I got to the top, I was sweating. I ain't even had a chance to look down yet. <laughs> but by the time I got to the top, I turned around and looked down. I said, it was about 30 feet up in the air. And it don't look like high on the ground. But once you get up in the air, man, it's like totally different. <laughs> and I was freaking out. And my heart started beep, boop, 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 boop. And about that time, I'm not kidding you, I heard a shh, 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 shh. And I looked down, and there was a big bug walking under my stand. Now, I'm just going to be honest. If it was my dad, he would have. Now, this platform ain't but about this big now. And you're 30 feet up in the air. But my dad would have just took his gun off his shoulder, turned around, and he'd have killed that big old bug. But I'm holding on to this tree. <laughs> like I ain't never held on to a tree before. My heart's racing, not because of the deer, but because of the height. And I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, I know I should turn around and shoot this deer. Then I thought to myself, there'll be another deer. <laughs> I spent the next 20 minutes trying to dig in my pocket and get that safety rope out. And I put it around that tree. And it took me 20 minutes to turn around like this, you know. And by the time I did, I heard a pow. A couple hundred yards down, my daddy had climbed a tree. He was up here and ready when that buck come by, and he got the buck. <laughs> so then he comes back over and tells me to come on down. So, wow, <laughs> great hunting trip. I had good intentions, but I didn't put no feet on them intentions. I wasn't able to please daddy that day. It reminds me of the apostle Peter, right? Oh, I'm your boy. You know, he's always bragging. If everybody else denies you, Jesus, I never will. You know, I'm your boy. I'm, I'm going to do good things. I'm... That very night, he denied Jesus three times before the cock crew the next morning. And he, not even before that, he was in the garden and Jesus told him and James and John, come on, let's go pray, man. My soul is in anguish. I need you guys. And there ain't a whole lot of time you get an opportunity that Jesus needs you. But Jesus said, come on, guys, I got to have some help here. He came back. What were they doing? Sleeping on the job. Could you not pray one hour? That happened three times. Every time he'd come back, old Peter would be snoring a log, you know. It's like, could you? It, Jesus said it like this. He said, your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. Anybody else deal with flesh? Anybody else get scared when they're supposed to have the courage to do great things? I mean, we want to do right. We want to please the Father. But many times our flesh gets in the way. We need to learn to do what? Trust the Spirit. You know what... Jesus had told Peter to do he said Peter pray that you fall not into temptation you see the devil just wants to sift you as wheat the devil just wants to to ruin all the plans that I have for you he said I'm praying for you but he said to Peter you pray too. pray that you fall not into temptation the temptation to not do what you're supposed to do and I'm not talking about just you know pray Father, thank you for this food, or now lay me down to sleep. I'm not talking about just pray when 
you know, a list of needs that you have. I'm not, I don't think he was just talking about pray when you get in trouble, Peter. I mean, we all do those things. But I think he was saying, pray. Like communion. Pray like, like you want to talk to me. Pray that we can grow in our relationship. You know what I'm saying? Pray that the kind of prayers will pray without ceasing. Like, you know I'm on the inside of you. Don't ignore me. Pray without ceasing. Build that relationship because you know what? In the end, if you're ever going to do anything, you got to know why. And if you don't have your why formed in your heart, you just won't do it. If you lose sight of your why, our why is because we love him. Love is the motivating factor that causes Christians to do great things, to actually accomplish their calling in this life. We love him, we love his people, and we love his purposes. Love is the power in your life. And he's saying, pray so that you may know me, so that our love for one another will deliver you from temptation. It'll cause you to do great things. Isn't that why Jesus did it? Oh. Now, in Peter's defense, that was before he was filled with the Holy Spirit. In my defense, when I climbed that tree, I, I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit either. <laughs> right? But what's our excuse now? If you've given your heart to Jesus, you can be filled with his Holy Spirit. Because I'm just going to be honest, without the Holy Spirit, we will not accomplish anything. We will not accomplish not even the first step of where God is trying to get you to. Because he is your power. He is the power source to get you to your calling in life. In fact, 2 Timothy 1.14 it says, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. You say, what's the truth that's been entrusted to me? I don't know it's your truth. I mean, I know the standard truths, but God has given you a truth, the truth of your real identity, the truth of your calling and your purpose in this life. And through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, carefully guard that precious truth. Value that truth of who you are on the inside. You say, but man, if I'd have lived in Jesus' day, I, I wouldn't have been like old Peter. If I would just could have been with Jesus, you know. Back in those days, those were important days. I would have, I would have recognized. I, would have, I wouldn't have denied Christ. Oh, really? Because I think that today is an important day too. Don't you think the last chapter in the book is pretty important? If, if we're living in the end times, I mean, you were called for such a time as this. I mean, this is pretty important. And I look around and it's like, does anybody, re not in here, but I'm, people that's not here today, people that's supposed to be in these purple chairs that are empty, do you not realize the time in which we live? I, somebody came to buy, buy some cornhole boards from me last night. The poor fellow got an earful. 
I said, where do you go to church? He said, I go to so-and-so, but I don't go much anymore. They talk about money all the time. And so I said, do you realize what time it is? Do you know what time it is? And do you not? See, that's the two things I got to ask people. Do you not love Jesus? I mean, I know you say you do, but why is everything else clouding your ability to do anything for him? You, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll do the things I ask you to do. You'll guard that truth, that, that person that you are, the call to be. I think we're privileged to live in the time that we're living. And I think it's in a, a very important time that you were called for. You know, there's 8 billion people on the planet estimated right now. And if you believe in creation, as I do, that God created the earth in six days, then we're living in probably the 6,000th year of human history. Now, if you believe in Darwinism, and this is an old earth and 50 billion years, and you believe all that, then there's no way this could be true. But if you believe in a young earth, 6,000 years, literal creation, then it's estimated that there are more people alive on the planet right now than have ever died before now. That's stunning, isn't it? See, in the 1800s, the population exploded, population growth around the world. And now there's 8, million, 8 billion people alive on the earth. That's more than have lived before us. I think this is an important time. And according to the World Population Review, they say that around the world, 36,741 people die each day. Not just in America, but around the world. Almost 37,000 people a day are dying. That comes out to 1,531 people per hour. Before we leave here, almost 1,500 people will die somewhere. That's 26 people per minute. I don't know if you're comfortable with how many of those people may or may not know Jesus at all. I don't know, uh, but that frightens me that many of those people that are going off that conveyor belt may be falling into hell because they don't know Jesus. That's a lot of people. And if we can't get excited about this time, when are we going to get excited? I mean, if you ain't stirred to action just by the things that's happening in America, I don't know when we can get people excited. I just don't know. I don't know what it's going to take. But I'm telling you, pray. Stir up that love for Jesus. Hold on to that truth by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, some people think that Christianity is just about how much knowledge. You, the better, more knowledge you get on Sunday morning, uh, the better Christian it makes you. Right? Well, I've been going to church 30 years. I know more scriptures than you, Pastor. Does that make you a better Christian? Just the Bible calls that puffed up with knowledge. You can get puffed up with knowledge. But you've got to put your knowledge into action for it to count. It ain't about just obtaining knowledge. Jesus said we will be known by our fruit and not by our tooth. No matter how good you say you're a Christian, 
You'll be known by what you put into action. And where are the laborers for the field? Where are those whose heart is burdened for lost souls? Now listen, I'm going to stir you up a little bit today. Okay, y'all good? I mean, I find myself, this is a long life, you know, and over periods of time in my life, I, I'm not as hungry to, to go minister at the jail as I used to be or to, to, to speak to people and to tell them about Jesus. I don't know uh, where you stand right now. Maybe you're on fire better than ever, but I want to encourage us that we have to get Jesus' heart in here. This is the time. Say, this is the time. Say, the time is now. If not now, when? Seriously, what are we waiting on? What are we waiting on? Sometimes the only time people consider their calling in life is when they're telling you what they're not called to do. Say, can, can, can you work in the nursery? Well, I'm not really called to the children, Pastor. Well, could you uh, work in the ushers? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not called to work as an usher. Well, go pray and consider what you are called to do because <laughs> we ain't figured it out yet. Jesus could have quit on us in the garden. When things got tough and it was so hard. When he, what about when he was carrying that cross and his legs was given out? Now, that up that dusty hill where he knew what was about to happen, his back laid open. He could have called down 12 legions of angels at any time, but he knew that the stakes were too high to quit. Too high not to give his very best. The father could have said, no, I can't do, I can't give my son. He gave his very best. And I'm encouraging us today. Does it look like I'm encouraging or fussing? Because I, I don't want to cross over the line of fussing. Today, I want to encourage you. Your life matters. And the time is now. The time is now. We're going to stir ourselves up. I know it's been a long, hot summer. I know COVID hit in the last couple of years. I know you've been through, like, we're going to learn to dance in the rain, ain't we? Is that what that song said? We're going to get her done in the rain. We're going to do what we got to do because the stakes are simply too high not to. I want you to look around. You say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I want you to look around. These banners are telling us what to do. This is the church's vision. You say, well, good for y'all. Y'all are the church. No, are you not part of the church? If this is the church's vision and you're called to this vision, you're called to this church, then this is your vision. So many people is wondering, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what God called me to do. Well, look around. This is it. You say, well, I don't know what to do. How, how does that even apply to me? I'm, going, I'm glad you asked. All right, so... Let's just start over here with who we are. How do we become what God called us to be? We're a fun, warm, fun-loving family. Do you like fun? Yeah. That ain't hard to be. That's not hard to do. You like fun? 
then you're in the right place. This is who God called us to be. Can you treat people like family? Can you see the church as your family? Are you, I, I think many of us maybe come in here one way, and after they've been around all these warm, fun-loving people, it just begins to rub off. Because that's our culture, right? That's what God is creating in this place. When you come here, you just begin to say, oh, I like this. That's how you know this is your church. If we're not having fun, we're not doing it right. And we're eager to reach out with God's love and restore all who have lost their way. See, we care about those lost. Now, not, I'm not, I hate running down other churches, but some churches, they kind of want to collect, you know, the perfect people. Those who don't have any problem, who's uh, to a level of sophistication <laughs> in their spirituality. Would you look around? <laughs> Would you look at your pastor? Come on, that's not us. That's not who we're called to be. We're here to reach out with God's love and restore all. Everyone matters to us. And if you can get that in your heart to begin to see your life that way, that I'm going to start inviting people. I don't even think I'm on camera. Is that thing running? I better go back over here. We're a hospital of hope. We're not a place where everybody's well and blessed and highly favored. We're a place where people are walking things out. There are different stages in their Christianity. They may have just got saved. They may be coming out of drug addiction, alcohol. They may be poor. They may be, they may be battling all kinds of abuse in their life. But this is a hospital, and you expect to see people in different stages of recovery, right? So we don't point our fingers and say, you need to pick it up. We're merciful. And see, you, you say, well, what's this got to do with my calling? You need, if you want to do your calling, then you need to become who you were created to be as part of the Passion Church. And oh, a fire igniting the passionate pursuit of true purpose in people's lives. Are you passionate? Are you passionate about the true purpose? That's, what we're, that's really what we're talking about today is true purpose. Are you passionate about it? Does this sermon get you and say, yes, step on my toes a little bit, Pastor. Encourage me because I'm passionate. I want to do God's will. And is your passionate tangible where other people see it and say, hey, I want to, I want to live like they live with that excitement? What is it that drives you to be so passionate. Okay? So th that's who we are. If, you, if we will be who we are, then everything else will kind of fall in place, won't it? I'm talking about doing your call. Some people think, oh, my call. Oh, well, it must be to climb the mountain and, and pray seven Hail Marys or something. Something spiritual or, or holy or something. How about your call is to be who you're called to be? It's not as hard as we make it. And what about what we're doing? Well, we're here to develop Jesus' heart in you. It's what we do. We each come and learn so that we may go and teach. You should be here today to, to fill up like it's a gas station. Like put that thing in your heart. 
and pump, pump, pump yourself up. Pump you up. <laughs> pump yourselves up so that you can go and teach. We're not just here to, to get knowledge. We're here to get knowledge to tell other people and make true disciples. Now listen, life groups are coming up. You want to know something that you can do to fulfill your calling? Something so simple. You say, well, I don't like life groups. My life is too busy. Uh, you know, Thursday nights is bad for me. Wednesdays, this, that. You know, I don't like being in groups. People, it ain't about what you like, people. In fact, you're wrong. You will like it because we don't do anything not fun. Okay, but go with the expectation that there might be somebody there I can go and teach. How about we turn it around, stop saying, what's in it for me, but what, what can I do for my country kind of thing? What can I do for my God? Maybe you go to life groups and you, you pull somebody under your wing and maybe somewhere we could find maybe a little humility in the mix somewhere. Maybe we'd let somebody else speak into our life. But that's what life groups are for. To build lifelong friendships. So that we have accountability. We have partners. We have encouragers in our life. Some of us are so lonely. You say, well, you know, I'm kind of lonely. I don't get out much. Duh! <laughs> you know, it's not my thing to be in big groups. <sighs> then you're missing out. These are small groups, by the way. <laughs> this is what you need. I, I can't tell you enough. And, you, and doing this, doing life groups, you are surrendering to God and saying, I'm going to do my calling. I don't even know how it's going to work, but I'm going to go and I'm going to listen and I'm going to let God lead me. And I'm believing if the church has set it forth as a process, then it's for my good. Anybody still go to Passion Church? <laughs> Y'all are funny. Anyway, how are we going to get here to where we're going if we don't know who we are and what we're even trying to accomplish? You say, Pastor, you really think you're going to plant churches all over the world? Not if you don't get involved in these. Not if we don't grow this church. We can't, if we don't grow this church, if we don't take ownership of these empty chairs, no, we won't. We'll just sit here until these banners rot off the wall. Seriously. But if we'll take ownership. See, we have ministers right now in this church that could be, that could be pastoring somewhere else, that we could plant churches. But we don't have the finances to get them on their feet. We, we, we haven't grown this place to the place where we can put somebody, give them a boost enough to, to plant them. So we can't plant churches until we grow this church. And so how do we grow this church? You invite your friends and family members and co-workers, and we begin to fill this place up. And you act like that, hey, I won't, I'm passionate about the true purpose in my life. Am I just preaching or telling the truth? Now, now, 
But once again, I don't want to get over on the edge of fussing. I'm an encourager. And I got a strange way of doing it, so work with me. <laughs> Seriously, I know it's a rough time. I know it's in the heat of the summer and it's a bad time to preach this message. But maybe it's not. Maybe now is when we need to hear it. I'm just trying to stir us up. Some of you are working so hard. If you look at the list of people in here who are serving in the church, it's phenomenal. The givers in here are phenomenal. You guys are doing a great job and you're like, I don't need to hear this. He's fussing at me. I am not fussing at you. <laughs> but I'm telling you, even those hard workers can grow weary and well-doing at times and they need, they need to pick me up. I hope, hope you do. I hope you'll take this in the right heart. Our vision needs tending. I was praying, walking around the building the other day. Lord, you know, this, this, whatever. You know, communion with God. And I looked up and the thing was about to come off the wall. So I pressed it back down. Then I got to that one. I said, man, I'm about to get a ladder for that thing. But I jumped. And pressed it back down. Our vision needs tending. A vision needs constant evaluation on where you're at. Because over time, you will begin to get your eyes off the prize. And so all I'm trying to do today is say, let's get back on the wall. And let's get, remember what we're trying to accomplish as a church, okay? Let's turn to Habakkuk. Easy for me to say. <laughs> Habakkuk. Chapter 2, verse 1. I try to find it in the Bible, but we might be here for a while. Anyway, I'm glad it's on the screen. Habakkuk 2.1. Now, he's a prophet. Habakkuk says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to say, see what he will say to me. And whatever I will, and what I will answer when I am corrected. He's, he's, he's looking to see what God's going to say to him, and he's looking to see what his response is going to be. He's trying to check himself out and say, hey, am I standing and watching, and am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I listening for the voice of God? And if, when he tells me something, am I doing it? He's evaluating himself here. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Well, we've put ours on banners, but the same thing. We have written it, and I, we could not have made it more plain. We have put it on the very walls of our sanctuary because we want it to be plain. That he may read it. Is that what it says? That he may read it. Oh, so there's putting feet to the vision. So it ain't enough to just see it. Write the vision and make it plain. We've done that. But it ain't enough to just see it. We've got to put some feetsies to the vision. We've got to run with this thing. We've got to get it in us. Let it burn within us like a fire shut up in our bones that our feet get to stepping. That our love for Jesus gets our feet to stepping. 
to do what we're called to do, that we want to please the Father so bad that we, we'll let go of that tree and turn around and do what we're called. We're going to stand our watch. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak. What's it going to say? That's what I wonder. What's the vision going to say? Maybe we're all going to be gathered up to heaven, and, and when we get to heaven, I know we'll be judged individually by Christ, but maybe as a church, he'll gather all the passion churches and say, okay, let's let the vision speak. Let's see how far y'all got. Let's see if y'all collectively did what I called you to do. At the end, it will speak, and it will not lie. It's going to tell the truth on us. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, and it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Are we walking by faith and not by sight? Because I'm telling you, it's going to take some faith to believe for something that big. I mean, if we're walking by sight, well, that's not going to happen. I'm not doing anything. What are, what's he telling me just to be happy? Is he telling me to be warm and fun-loving? That's not going to make a difference. Look, we do our part, God does his part. We don't do our part, God's like, I'm not pleased, there's no faith in it. We got to believe this. We got to believe this. Did the little acorn think that it would become an oak tree? Probably not. Well, the acorn did, but, you know, if a little kid saw an, an acorn, he'd say, it's not going to become a tree. But it does. Our Christianity is not just about us. I mean, that's what Americans have made it. You know, if I go there, do they tickle my ear? Do they say what I want them to say? Uh, do they have nice pews or do they pad it or do they play the music that I want? Or, or, or maybe you don't care about any of that stuff. You're humble and you just say, am I getting fed here? You know, and am I getting the deep revelations? The, the truth about it is 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, but God has set the members, each one of them in the body as he pleased. And if you've been called here, God wanted you to come here whether you like my preaching or not. Now, if you don't stay here, that, then that's, that's on you. But if God, he sets you in the body where he, maybe he, he sent you to a hard-headed preacher like me so you could help me or something. I've been at this church for so long, and there's been times I didn't agree with certain things in the church or whatever. But I didn't just jump up and leave and quit the vision. I said, okay, God, how can I help in this situation? So I became the kind of person that would have a say in the church. And then I began to help implement things that I felt was bringing us to the center of God's will. I made myself important in the plan of God. I didn't just look for a better church that's got it all together. Right? You say, Pastor, if I wanted us to have a bigger building, I wouldn't have come to a little small church like this. I like being small. Well, I'm glad, you know, you know what you prefer. 
But what God prefers is people get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and that we advance the kingdom of God and that we do grow. Any, do you know that anything that's not growing is not healthy? I mean, if your fingernails, one of them's not growing, something's wrong. You need to find out, why my fingernail not growing? <laughs> if the church is not growing, we need to find out what's wrong. Am I preaching real good, Rick? Each of these banners is something that God's called us to do collectively. Can you agree with that? I know y'all ain't one of those that come to the church expecting the pastor to do everything. I'm here to, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. That the work of the ministry is actually on your shoulders. A great woman of God, she once said, if you don't know what to do, do what needs to be done. If you don't know what to do, just pitch in and do what needs to be done. You know who said that? A little redhead named Angie Sheffield. And you know where she is right now? She's doing what needs to be done. So if you're here and you say, well, I'm not sure what he said for me to do again, just go to somebody and say, what can I do to help? Let's all pull together. Look at your neighbor. Say, you have a gift, and the church needs you. Look at your other neighbor, the one that really don't look like they have a gift. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and say you have a gift and the church needs you <laughs> Ephesians 4.1 says therefore I Paul saying this a prisoner for serving the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God I don't care what you look like <laughs> right that person on your right or left that don't look like they have a call on their life they do and if you're sitting there and you don't feel like you have a call on your life you do and you need to live a life worthy of it you know why because obedience brings blessing to you you're never going to be fulfilled like you are when you're found doing the will of God in your life. And your faithfulness to doing the will of God will bring such contentment. Some of us are like our hearts are hungry and crying out, there's got to be more, there's got to be more, and the whole time these banners are about to swallow you up. Say, come on. Man, I, I just want us to get together. 
these processes that God's given us, this next step class. Man, that's for you. These life groups, that's for us. Come on. Come on. The passion and pursuit of true purpose in your life brings life and life more abundantly. Anything else is a counterfeit. Anything else that you're trying to find your satisfaction, whether it's a person, a relationship, a new car, alcohol, drugs, pornography, all those are counterfeits. They give you a momentary release or satisfaction, but they come with a price. But what God is trying to do is give you such satisfaction in your life to see a man Mary Ellen, isn't that what you told me the other day? Man, I'm whole hog. I'm whole hog, she said. I'm all in. And what satisfaction. I hadn't heard such joy out of your mouth in years, Mary Ellen. Just your countenance. Say, woohoo. <laughs> Help Mary Ellen say, woohoo. <laughs> There's a guy named John Mark in the Bible. He's a young guy, I think. And uh, I kind of picture him as somebody recently saved, you know, new in the faith. And he's really diligent. And he's given his all to Jesus, you know. And everything's going good. And this was in the early church, you know, when, when Paul and Barnabas and all of them were doing their thing. Paul and Barnabas got together and said, we're going to go on a missionary trip. And uh, Barnabas said, well, let's bring my cousin John Mark. He's really doing good. Paul said, let's bring him. He'll be good for us. It'll be good to have another person with us. On. So they took John Mark, and they went to a few towns, you know, and they were preaching the gospel. And it didn't take long for John Mark to realize that, not, that doing the Lord's will is not always fun. You know, it, if you sign up to help clean the church in a moment of, you know, emotion, yes, I want to help. <laughs> and then... The, the first time you come, you, they got you cleaning the toilets. You might look and say, this ain't as fun as I thought serving the Lord would be. And I'm just going, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Getting here early in the morning to stand your guard, to, to, to get your station ready, uh, going to help somebody in need, helping people move and fill their gas tank up and giving up your own resources. Doing the will of God is not always pretty. You're dealing with people. It can be a very ugly thing. And it's not easy. And I guess that was what happened to John Mark. They were preaching the gospel and getting persecuted for it. It's like, I thought we was coming out here and we was doing a good thing. And God, just blessings would overtake me. But they was about to get killed. John Mark said, I'm going home. He got a good start, but he got a good start back home. And he went home. And so they finished the missionary trip without him. Next time they decided to go out, Paul and Barnabas got together. Said, you ready to go? He said, let's go. He said, let's, bring, let's give Mark another shot. Paul said, uh-uh. He deserted us. We can't use him. Paul was kind of mad about it. I guess he was holding a grudge or something. Barnabas, which his name means encourager, he's like, Let's give him another shot. Come on. He's better now. He's, he's come back to his senses. 
And they, the, the dissension between the two was so sharp that they parted ways. Paul took Silas and went off, and Barnabas took John Mark and went off. And then, where was my scripture? In 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 9, this is the last letter that Paul wrote uh, in the Bible. Many people believe he was in prison, his end of his life. He had, you know, all those things you heard about, the difficulties of his ministry and all the things he did. He tells his beloved, faithful son, Timothy, in the faith. He says, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. He said, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Man, that, is that way you want your name written in the Bible? Do you want to be a Demas? I would rather be a Timothy. What do you, you want to be a, a Demas? That you love the things of this world and you quit on your faith? Anyway, he says, Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. But then he says something strange. He said, bring Mark when you come, for he will be helpful to me in the ministry. Mark started out good, and he had a good fall. And some of you are probably thinking, you know, when I was first saved, I did so much, you know, and, and I worked, and then I, I grew weary and well-doing, or I crashed, or, or I just quit, and things got tough, and, you know, all these excuses, what happens to us. And that happens. It's probably happened to all of us. But Mark got back up. He didn't quit because of that. Apparently, he got his life back in action. He became so faithful that in the last hours of the great apostle Paul, Paul says, Timothy, can you come? I want you and Mark. Can we let the past be the past? If you, if you had signed up to serve somewhere in the church and then you quit and, and then you feel bad about it, now you're scared, you don't think it, oh, they won't let me serve again. You're wrong. <laughs> you are so wrong. We're going to have the Barnabas attitude. We're going to be encouragers, ain't we? Leaders? Because which one of us hadn't fallen a time or two? Which one of us hadn't said dumb things and quit when we shouldn't have quit when things got tough? Just get back in there and start being faithful and you'll build a reputation for faithfulness. Say the time is now. I think about David when he was anointed to be king but he wasn't yet king. It's been many, many years since he was a boy and anointed to be king but King Saul is still on the throne. King Saul's trying to kill David. He's chasing David all over the place. David's got this ragtag bunch of men that follow him and he's out there trying to do God's will. He's fighting the Philistines and God, God's enemies but yet every time he turns around things are falling apart and he goes out on a raid to fight the Philistines and he leaves his family their women and children are all in a town called Ziklag. Well, they defeat God's enemy and come back ready to celebrate, and their town's on fire. 
And the enemy had snuck in and stole all the children, all the women, and all their stuff. And the heartbroken men see their women gone and their children gone, and they're on the verge of killing David. Now, what did, what did David done wrong? What must David be thinking? Man, I... <laughs> he must be thinking, does it, does it help to serve God? Man, every, I just try to do good, and I turn around, and it's just like, it's one obstacle after another. Do you know there's a devil out there trying to stop you? And if you don't have obstacles in your life, then you're probably not doing nothing for the kingdom of God. What the battle-hardened Christians learn, like Miss Denise, as I look at her face over here, she's, she's getting this message, boy. <laughs> There's going to be always an obstacle in your way, but you just grow bigger on the inside till you just begin to step over them. And you become a stepper, don't you? More than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. More than an overcomer. You don't get there just by saying it. You get there by stepping it. And you begin to see the devil as your punching bag. Oh, you want to come at me again? I tell you, when Miss Denise gets up in the morning, the devil begins to tremble. She's up, guys. Let's go. Let's get out of here before she finds us. She's got the devil on the run. Some of us have spent our life running from the devil because we won't meet the challenges. David had met the challenges, and instead of saying, oh, that's it, if he'd have said, oh, that's it, there's a good chance they're fixing to kill him, and that's the end of the story, and you would have never heard of King David. But David said, uh-uh. I've been down this road too many times. I'm going to stir myself up in the Lord. Maybe you're at that place right now. You're just saying, I don't know. I don't know about this all this serving the Lord stuff. It's hard and everything. Just, my life is, I thought it was going to be grand, but it wasn't what I expected. Maybe it's time you stir yourself up in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And he said, Lord, should I go get my stuff back? And the Lord said, I'll give you the victory if you'll go. And he got, he got, somehow he talked his men. He was inspirational. He got his men to follow him. And they went and they got, they defeated the enemy that had plundered their camp, got all their women and children back alive, got their stuff back, and then got those people's stuff. They had so much stuff, they had stuff coming out of everywhere. He had so much stuff, he went and to, to the leaders in, the, in Judah and gave them stuff because he had too much stuff to hold on to. And in just a few hours, I don't know, days, maybe a few weeks, the people of Judah said, we like this David guy. Let's make him king. And at the same time, Saul and his son died in battle. And they made David king. But David could have died there in Ziklag. Don't die in Ziklag. Stir yourself up in the Lord. Get back in the fight. Don't be a Demas. This is my clothes. Be a David. Stir yourself up. Say the time is now. Don't be a John Mark the quitter. Be the John Mark that turned this thing around. Say the time is now. 
Don't be a fearful tree hugger like I was. Man up. Take your stand and stand your watch. Put your feet to moving with your good intentions and actually please the Father. Get filled with the Holy Spirit like Peter did. Shake the whole known world. Say the time is now. You're here on purpose with a purpose. These banners need tending. And I'm asking, will anybody help me see this vision through? Will you stir yourself up and live a life worthy of your calling? And I'll say this. If anybody in here thinks that I'm disappointed in them or thinks that you, they let me down in the past or that I hold any kind of grudges or, or that our leadership is like that, we're not. We understand that humans are humans and they make mistakes and we're Barnabases here. We strive to be Barnabases and I'm encouraging you to get back in the fight. We're with you. We want the best for you. That's what Jesus wants the best for you, and we want the best for you. We want you to get back in the fight. Now, I'm still on the... I'm fixing to quit. I'm still praying about this just to make sure, because I don't do this lightly. But I think God's telling us to put one more banner up. You say, well, we don't have a place. And you're right. And that's why I thought we had been through with the banner business. But the Lord, through this message, has been dealing with me. And I've already ordered it. And if it seemed right to me and the Holy Ghost. This little spot right here. Next week we'll have a little banner that says, the time is now. Then I'm going to get a piece of paper with a magic marker and I'm going to slap on there that says, when? Amen. Because we don't have our when anywhere. I thought we'd answered all the questions. We got the who and the what and the where and the why and how, but we never asked when. And you know how them football teams, they go through the locker room and they touch it and they <laughs> get themselves stirred up. Now, we're not going to do that superstitiously now. If, if, it's, if it becomes a superstition, we'll rip it down. But as a point of remembrance, as a point of remembrance, God often puts a marker. The time is now. Stir ourselves up. to, You know, procrastination is a mortal enemy of your calling. Some of us like, when I get my finances right, when I, my job situation gets right, then I'm going to serve. Then I'm going I'm to do God's will and stuff. I'm going to get to that point. Tomorrow never comes. It is always now. Now faith is. Now is the time. The time is now. listening to the podcast today. 
We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.